You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us. Hey guys, this is for you, the listeners of the Daily Brew Podcast. I want to tell you about Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download, and they're offering it with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their great service. Get your free audiobook download and free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash dailybrew. I like listening to the Chronicles of Narnia audiobook with my daddy. This is The Daily Brew. Daily Brew, I am your host Adam Holland. This is my co-host Jeremy Thornburg. Good evening. We are a Christian podcast that examines various biblical and cultural issues through the lens of Christ. Today we are going to be talking about the issue of evangelism. Over the next two weeks we're going to be talking about um, 
two different topics on evangelism and just really have a focus on um, because we see evangelism as a neglected topic within the church. But it's also something I think that's misunderstood within the life of the church as well. So um, we, we're going to be talking about the topic of evangelism. We've got some great interviews. Uh, we're going to be interviewing Ray Comfort and Todd Frill. I know both of those guys do quite a bit with uh, the topic of evangelism, so I'm re- really looking forward to you guys hearing those. So to begin, though, I want to steal Jeremy's thunder and he has been waiting for this, so I want to tell him about some Nickelback news. Uh-oh. I know, I know you've been waiting for this. It's, it's been a teaser. I've been looking forward to telling you about this. So this is this, this is the biggest this might be the biggest news in music since uh, Leonard Skinner's plane crashed in 1977. <laughs> it, it is. So okay, this is true story. I'm not making this up. You can go and Google this if you like. But in Kissington, Canada. The Canadian Police Department has announced over the holidays that if you're caught drunk driving, that you'll be forced to listen to Nickelback albums <laughs> as a punishment. Now, here, tell me you're joking. I'm not making this up. So, so I'm going to read some of the quotes from this, this article. There's several articles, people quoting this article, and the police department, uh, they have went on Facebook and even made the statement as well. It says, here's a quote from it. It says, now, now, no need to thank us. We figure if you're foolish, uh, foolish enough to get behind the wheel and drink, then a little Chad Kroger and the boys is the perfect gift for you. So, please, <laughs> let's not ruin a perfectly good unopened copy of Nickelback. Don't drink and drive, and we won't make you listen to it. Direct quote. <laughs> you know, if you want to empty prisons, <laughs> there you go. It you want to n- empty prisons, and uh, you, you want to get people to uh, obey the law? Nickelback. <laughs> it is now a form. Manual, who needs manual labor in prisons? Let's go with some Nickelback CDs. I mean, left with the option of waterboarding or Nickelback, I think I take waterboarding. I mean, let's just be I honest. Solitary confinement. <laughs> amen, amen. So, <laughs> I wanted to bring the Nickelback news this week. It's the first time I've actually had to bring it in, so I had to steal your thunder. That was uh, that was worthy of stealing my thunder. I, I, I will uh, I, I will uh, take a week off for that that good news. <laughs> okay, so to begin the discussion uh, on evangelism, we want to talk about are all believers called to evangelism? Very likely, you've heard uh, sermon after sermon where Christians are called to evangelize. Um, the pastor likely said uh, threats if you're not evangelizing, you don't care about hell or you don't think hell is real, whatever it may be. We've heard a lot of threats on evangelism, but we've also heard the good in evangelism as well people talking about we want to share the gospel because we care about the gospel because we care about others so we we hear both sides of it. we hear the good and the bad but my question to start off is are all believers called to evangelism what do you think jeremy um i, I think it, i think the important thing to, to think about with this question is i think we need to define evangelism and then I also think that we need to uh, answer the question, um, are we, uh, we, we, and we mentioned it before the show, are we called? I think that word's real important, is called. So, I mean, evangelism, evangelism is just basically um, sharing your faith, being prepared for the, uh, the hope that's within you to give a defense. Um, and evangelism is basically sharing um, what Christ did on the cross and what He's done to uh, what He's done to defeat sin. And um, I think that I think it looks different for different people. And I think that's why the word "called" is important. Is uh, you, you know, some everyone's not going to be Billy Graham. Um, 
some some people just naturally have a gifting for it. Um, evangelism is a gift. Um, I think that's clear and, from uh, uh, to cut you off there. I think that, that's clear from Ephesians four eleven, where sure. uh, Paul's talking about God has gifted a, a, the church with different offices. He gave them apostles, prophets, and evangelists. So it seems as if in the early church they viewed this almost as an office of the church. I, I think what's important when when talking about the question is. Um, so what we're trying to – basically, I, I think it's important to do, distinct, make a distinction between being always being ready to give a defense and constantly giving a defense. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, so with, with constantly uh, giving a defense, basically you're, you're – and you want, to, you want to have this mindset, but you're just constantly looking to defend the faith, share Christ versus um, – being prepared when it comes about, you know, Matthew, um, in Matthew 28, the great commission, it says, it says, as it's actually better translated as you're going. So as you're going, make disciples. And, uh, if you think about that, how today in 2016, can we fulfill the great commission by doing that as you're going? I think that means that in God's put circumstances in our life, meaning he's given us jobs He's giving us people around us. He, um, and this is something you know we'd really like to talk about as well. Is, is he may be giving us children um, to share the gospel with? So you know, mothers who have kids at home, um, their uh, their primary responsibility is to their kids to share the gospel with them, or it may be their neighbors or coworkers. So I think it's important as as we're going to to share the gospel, but I don't think that. Um, I don't think that the evangelism, quote unquote, has to be something that is is constantly done. But I mean, it should be something that we we look to do. Definitely, I think too. And hear me out as saying I'm not trying to say that not everyone is called to share the gospel, and I don't think either one of us believe that. But I think it's important to to clarify that every one of us are called, like Jeremy is saying, is to uh, to be able to give an account of our faith. That's that's very clear. Peter tells uh, gives us uh, or tells us that. But I think one of the dangers in, uh, in saying that every person is called to evangelism is you almost can make the spiritual elite those who are sharing the gospel and then those who may not have the opportunities or may not have the charisma or may not have um, maybe the theological backing or preparation um, or even the personality style. You make them less spiritual than those who, who are extroverts, if you want to think of it that way. So um, to, to think of it another way, I think that the church does have those who are more gifted in evangelism. I'll word it that way, that God has blessed certain people in the church who are certainly more gifted. We used to have a guy in my old church who, I'm telling you, he would share the gospel at a gas station and then drive down the road, see someone on the side of the road, pull over and share the gospel with him as well. It's just this person was very gifted, and it was not uncommon to see him bring one or two people to church with him very frequently. Um, yet you have some older families who may not be able to go out and share the gospel like that. Or you have the stay-at-home mom who may have to stay and take care of their kids. So um, it's as if their ministries are different. And I think the danger in making it as if every single person is called to this office or making it seem as if you know they are less spiritual because they're not sharing the gospel as much, I think the danger in, in that is that you're putting condemnation on those who may not be gifted in that, and yet also um, who may be called to do something else. And I would say the mother, just like you said earlier, the mother and the father's primary role is first to their children. So Deuteronomy 6 is very clear that we're called to raise up and shepherd our children there. So you're first sharing the gospel at home, and then once you share the gospel at home, 
we are called to share it with our coworkers. We are called to uh, share it with others. So I would the only distinction I would want to make is that there are some that are more spiritually gifted to share the gospel, but um, by saying it is, I think when you make a distinction that it's the church's mission to share the gospel and not necessarily the individual's. And the reason I think that's important is it makes it so that the, the stay-at-home mom, the the older senior citizens who may be um, who may be uh, in a nursing home or something of that nature, they can contribute to the mission of the church by praying or, or giving money to help the evangelists to be able to go out and share the gospel with others. And yet they're just as significant as the evangelists. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. I, if just talking with you uh, about it, it sounds like um, you're really wanting to, and I think it's helpful. I, th- I think you're really wanting to, um, What's the word I'm wanting to use here? You're not wanting to like uh, heap scorn, or you're not wanting to. Um, you're basically wanting to say that it's it's just as important these tasks that God's called us to as as evangelism outside the home is. It's just as important in the home, or if you're you know maybe you're um, maybe you're watching um, the kids in a home group so that three or four people in your home group can go in the community and and share the gospel. Um, you know, that's just as I think what you're if I hear what you're trying to say, yeah, uh, if, if you want to if you want to tell me if I'm correct, that you're saying that's just as significant as actual sharing the gospel itself. Definitely. So, like, for example, we're not all called to be the mouth. We're all different parts of the body. Now, some of us are the feet. Some of us are the hands. We're not all called to the same ministry. And just because you may not have the opportunity, maybe you have to work um, nine to five and then you come home and take care of your kids, you are not going to have the same opportunities to share the gospel as someone who may go out and street preach um, every single week or every single day. And I don't want to heap condemnation on the faithful father who is leading his family, the faithful wife who is taking care of her kids, um, when they're being faithful to the task that God has given them. I mean, it's very clear uh, from 1 Timothy 3, a pastor is called uh, first to, to lead his wife and for, uh, also his children. His children need to be submissive. And that his, his first ministry, his first place of evangelism, first place to share the gospel is there with his family. And I think any married person, that, that's true as well. So oftentimes, I think um, those who are called to either evangelism or to be missionaries, um, sometimes they may not have children, and they may have children, but um, it makes it a lot easier. And I think that's why Paul says um, that if, you, if you're not married, um, it, it's easier to do ministry. It's because uh, you don't have the obligation. You're not called to faithfully share the gospel and lead your wife. You're not faithful to lead your children. You, you can just devote yourself to ministry. But when you are married, you have a, even a further or a greater obligation to lead your wife, to lead your children as well, that the gospel has to be shared there first before you can go out and share it in the community. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, think it's, um, I think it's very easy to, um, to see evangelism as something that takes place um, uh, especially sometimes we think about it overseas or we think about these super Christians that are constantly sharing their faith. I mean, it, it's something that we should look for, but um, it's something we should do. It's something we should strive to do, but it, it's just as beneficial. Um, not, not only is it just as beneficial, but it's just as important to be, uh, be doing it with our families primarily. And um, something that I think um, – has uh, fallen on hard times lately is uh, with evangelism is just the the church's like you said earlier the church's responsibility to do it um you know like you said earlier it may be praying it may be um 
and maybe doing something to where we can we can support people that are going out and, and sharing in our communities. And um, I, I think it's uh, it's it's a necessity. Um, it's important. But these ministries we have on the, the, the these ministries that we do as well are, are just as important. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's it's the focus needs to be not on the individual and how many people he is is saving or how many people he has shared the gospel with, but it needs to be the focus that it's it's the mission of the church, not the individual. That we're all called to this this ministry and we all participate in this ministry together. That means that the the senior citizen, the mom, the wife, the husband, um, their ministries, the way they participate in evangelism may look differently for each person. Um, but they're all participating in the same mission, um, however that may be, by because it's the mission of the church and not the mission of the individual. Um, I think keeping that in mind is important. I think um, I think discipleship is very important. Uh, being able to um, develop uh, young believers uh, as well with evangelism. Um, some people, uh, some pastors and some Christians, you, you just devote a lot of time, uh, particularly pastors, you, you tend to devote a lot of time to the people in your church. You're equipping them for ministry. And um, if you're discipling guys, um, you know, you're, you're indirectly, you're, you're sharing the gospel with them. You're, you're speaking, uh, you're speaking the gospel into their life. And as you do that, they go out and share the gospel as well. So that there's definitely a tie with discipleship, even within the church. Um, you, you, we may be called to, uh, we may be called to pour into to young believers as a pastor and, um, and, uh, see the gospel advance that way. Amen. Well, we had the joy, um, of interviewing Todd Frill this week. Um, on the topic of evangelism, and we got to ask him some tough questions in regards to evangelism. So we are now going to go to that interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. We are here with uh, Todd Frill from uh, Wretched Radio. Thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Well, you make it sound like I'm right there in the room with you. I know. <laughs> Where are you, anyway? I can hear a twang in the background. You must be in the south someplace. Yes, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Ah, that would explain that accent. Yeah, it's the, it's the southern accent in it. There we, are uh, different, but you know there are different southern accents. Uh, very true. We we stress our eyes and everything we say, so like right. Oh wow! See, I, I work with a fellow. He is he's actually from Atlanta. There are very few people from Atlanta, and when he would talk, for instance, about going to the airport to take a flight. <laughs> That's what exactly. you, you're going to take a what a flat? So I'm glad that you actually pronounce your eyes correctly, like some people in the South don't. Yeah, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky for a while, so it kind of uh, made me have a normal accent, I guess. Yeah, and you're also more sanctified because you were a lot closer to Al Mohler than the rest of us. <laughs> yes, I had a lot of classes with him. He was. Uh, his, oh, is that right? Is that where? You... <laughs> 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 Can he just stop reading? Seriously, there's no need for it. <laughs> okay, this is how, you know what, we've all suspected that Al Mohler, one of the most brilliant minds in evangelical Christianity, is a complete geek. But I just read an article, he was celebrating Francis Schaeffer, Schaeffer's How Now Then Shall We Live. How Shall We Live Then Now? It's an odd title, but he read the book and he said, I noticed that it was the 12th book that I had purchased in my book log. At the age of 12, he was keeping a record of all of the books that he was buying and reading. He that? is a total, just complete <laughs> educational geek. 
Yeah, it's it's wild. You can actually, if you if you ever go into the library, uh, he'll let you pull any book off the shelf. And I think he has a photographic memory, but whenever you ask him uh, what's this book about or something, he can actually tell you uh, chapter by chapter what each one's about. It's insane. It's not normal. Yeah, I, I just ha- I just have one question now. He's not going to hear this, is he? <laughs> not, not that I know of. If he does, okay, good. We're fine. <laughs> it's awesome. So, <laughs> anyway, our, t- our topic today is we're going to be discussing the topic of evangelism. And we uh, recently went to a conference, and Ed Spencer brought up an interesting statistic. He said that only seven percent of the church is growing. Six of that is due to people shuffling around from congregation to congregation, and one percent is due to evangelism. So my, my question I want to ask would be, um, what do you think, or why do you think that is the case that the the church is lacking in evangelism, and is there uh, any hope for resolve to that, or what uh, some advice do you have for that resolve? Well, let me take you back about 20 years ago. I was doing local radio in Minnesota on a Christian radio station, and that means we received a lot of books. Publishers send their books, hoping that you'll want to interview the author, and they get free publicity. And sometimes that works out sweet, but every day I would receive 8, 10, 15 books every day delivered to my office. And I kept going through them and thinking, this is a terrible book. Al Mohler would never read any of these books. This is... What is this is awful. The premise of this is terrible. Where's the Bible verses? And I was I was trying to figure out what is the problem. And then I would see statistics like the few people, 2% share their faith on a regular basis. What? You've been given bread as a beggar and you don't want to go find other beggars to plead with them to partake? The racism, the divorce rate, the lack of giving... You name it, and something is wrong in evangelical Christianity. A LifeWay study recently revealed, give or take, I think 64% of professing Christians think that you need to do something, a work, to get to heaven. In other words, it's not grace alone. In other words, at least two-thirds of our nation, by biblical definition, are heretics. Why the bad books? Why the horrifying statistics? Here's my, this is, this is going to be a little bit radical, but I would suggest to you the reason that good books, biblical books aren't being written, that people are not serving the Lord the way that they should as a natural response to amazing grace, and why people aren't evangelizing, it is because they themselves are not saved. So Ray Comfort, one day, joins us on the radio program, and I never met Ray. I'd I'd heard about this guy from a press release that he debated the president, Ron Barrier, the president of the National Atheist Association. I think it was in Florida. So I wanted to interview the guy who debated the atheist, and I said to him, okay, what was your opening salvo? Give me the big gambit. What was the kaboom line? And he was rather put off by it. He said, well, I opened the law, of course. And I said, what do you mean you open up the law, of course? That's not how it works. We give apologetics, we give archaeological evidence, and then finish it off with a good, swift, you've got a God-shaped hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 That's that's. you need to bring about the knowledge of sin, and the law brings about the knowledge of sin. The law is a schoolmaster. I had not known sin but by the law. The law brings the whole world guilty, silences the mouth of the sinner. The law crushes so that we can understand we need a Savior. And suddenly, I have to tell you, it wasn't a a light bulb. It was a floodlight that went off. I got it. 
Most people do not evangelize by using the law, by helping people understand God's high, holy character and nature so that they can understand their own depravity. They haven't been evangelized right, so they have a form of religion without actually being saved. And that is why I think evangelism has so fallen off and, and gone out of favor. It's because there's no urgency. We don't see sinners as lost. We don't see them as damned. And so we've come up with all kinds of machinations. Ask Jesus into your heart. Make him your Lord and Savior. All of the different cliches that we've created that are not the correct way to present the gospel. And I think the results have been catastrophic. And one of the greatest catastrophes is that we don't evangelize anymore. So tying to that, and you kind of hit it on a little already, but um, how would you recommend or do you have any advice to recommend to churches how to better breed a culture of evangelism? How could uh, you revive excitement in the topic of evangelism? Yeah, that, you know, I think that that's an, it's an excellent question. I would start by making sure that everybody in the congregation actually knows the gospel. Hmm. You would be shocked at how many professing evangelicals they do not know we're sinners, God is holy, we deserve his wrath. Jesus took the wrath on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God if we will repent and put our trust in him. So I would say make sure that your people are saved and then keep lifting up the cross so that people can see it, love it, and then desire to tell others about it. The formula is pretty simple, and I think the right way to find that balance is not to just turn your church into, okay, all we're going to do is evangelism. As much as I love evangelism, and as urgent as the need is, that is not the correct approach to our faith. Any church that is, we're all about the Holy Spirit, we're all about gifts, we're all about money, they're out of whack and that can happen, too, with evangelism. So the way to keep our evangelistic balance is to just be preaching through the Word and let the Bible balance out our presentations. That was very good. So similar to those two questions, this will be the last uh, question and had two fun questions for you. But um, in, in regards to evangelism, how how is it that you – or what encouragement would you give to stay-at-home moms or how do stay-at-home moms – um, contribute to the evangelism of the church. Um, I know sometimes uh, husbands will go out and share the gospel on the street, sometimes limiting the, uh, the wife to or go out and work, and sometimes the stay-at-home mom will actually stay with the kids uh, for a, a chunk of the day, if you want to think of it that way. So my question, I guess, to, to narrow it down is, how do stay-at-home moms contribute to evangelism within the church? Yeah, I, I would say this, and don't don't just kind of rush past this response. But consider your primary target audience for the gospel, your children. Focus on your kids. You don't need to go to the mall to evangelize. You've got your kids right there. And then I think what we're supposed to be doing with evangelism, I think we should be intentional about it. We should be mindful about it. We should be making plans to try to do it as much as we can, but mostly doing it as we go. And this really helps out the stay-at-home mom. Figure out a way for you to give the gospel to somebody orally, through a track, through a DVD, whatever it is, as you're going through your day. Somebody comes over to fix the plumbing. Hey, I'd love for you to watch this, and you give them a, a copy of a gospel DVD. You're at the grocery store, and you chat with the clerk. Hey, this is something for you. I hope you'll be able to read this on your break. See you next time. And do it while going, but primarily focus on your children. Amen. Amen. That is very helpful. 
So two fun questions I know our listeners would be curious about is uh, one would be, do you have a favorite writer, um, whether that be fiction, um, his church history, theology, um, or do you have one or two that you could name? Yeah, there's there's several. If you want to talk contemporary, I'm just looking at my bookshelf right now. I notice there's a fair amount of John MacArthur. I notice there's a fair amount of Ray Comfort. I also, you know, I'll tell you, for as far as fiction goes, Randy Elkhorn's Safely Home. Wow. Seriously. Okay, don't tell anybody this. I wept constantly reading that book. I would I would read I always read at night. I'm in bed. My wife is asleep and I'm and I'm reading this book hoping she's not going to wake up from my snibbling. <laughs> it's a great fiction book, Randy Alcorn. So those are some of the contemporaries and there are many great writers these days. Going back in time, I think everybody kind of gravitates towards certain Puritans. Please do not exercise church discipline on me, but I find reading John Calvin to be akin to a beating. I it, I struggle so much with it. It's so hard. Luther's easier to read, but I love some of the Puritans. Watson, J.C. Ryle, one of the late Puritans. He's so readable. So those are some of the old dead guys that I like. Oh, very cool. Do you like, uh, I know one of my friends wanted me to ask you this because he was curious, are you a Harry Potter fan? <laughs> yes. Yes, I love Harry Potter because... I didn't read Deuteronomy 18, and remember <laughs> that God hates that kind of stuff. Okay, I had to ask you. I'm sorry. Um, the next one would be: um, What do you? Whenever you're not doing your show and um, doing, um, whenever you're not doing your show, uh, what do you do for fun? Yeah. You know, this. Uh, you're, you're just going to want to punch me in the nose for this. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes people will ask, okay, so you, you do radio every day, you do a TV show every day, you're writing books and doing DVDs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. So here's my day. I wake up in the morning, I start reading about Jesus, I talk about him all afternoon, and then I go home and spend time with my family, pretty much talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I do not have a bad gig. Life mm-hmm. is not terrible for me. So that is... I'm sorry, it's fun for me. I, I I would prefer to read something theological. I would prefer to read the Bible. As far as doing fun stuff, yeah, our, our family does, but basically um, we just kind of do it together as a Christian family. So we're pretty dull, frankly. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to join the podcast today. Yeah, remember, I'm not lifting boulders here. Okay, this isn't like hard labor. I Oh great, I'm I'm done talking to you. Now I've got to go read this book from Nate Pickowitz on reviving New England, a key to revitalizing post-Christian America. Great. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been a joy. Good. Well, I hope it's a blessing to somebody. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that this broadcast will be used to strengthen your faith and your love for the local church. Tune in next week when we have our final episode of the series. The Daily Brew is a listener-supported broadcast. We exist because of generous donors such as yourself. If you're interested in having your business advertised on our show, please reach out to us through our Facebook page or on our website at www.yourdailybrew.com.